Welcome to Bridging the Realm. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Julie Ryan. Uh, she's an inventor, an entrepreneur, an author who learned how to be psychic and a medical intuitive for more than 25 years. After inventing a number of globally used surgical devices and founding nine companies across the medical, long-term care, natural gas, advertising and data privacy industries, she settled into her talents as a psychic and medical intuitive, going on to write her books, Angelic Attendance, What Really Happens As We Transition From This Life Into The Next, and Angel Messages For Kids. Her podcast, Ask Julie Ryan, has listeners from all over the world, many of whom call in to, uh, to partake in Julie's buffet of psychicness. And um, Julie um, is a medical, um, can sense medical conditions and illnesses. So a lot of people who uh, call in for her show will basically uh, ask questions about themselves or people who uh, they know who are diseased or who are transitioning into that stage. So it's a really fascinating show and I'm really looking forward to um, speak to Julie about it today. So Julie, welcome to uh, Bridging the Realm. Thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. What a joy to be with you. Wow, it's so amazing. I've, uh, I've been listening to uh, your shows and um, they're just really fascinating. I'm really, um, it's really quite different what you do because uh, normally I've spoken to my podcast to a lot of psychics and mediums, but not so many uh, medical intuitives. So it's really interesting for me to kind of find out a little bit more about that. And um, tell, uh, tell me a little bit more about how this how you got started into this because it's quite an unusual you know field to get into especially after coming from a, the medical industry as well so tell me a bit about that how did you get started i desi i tell people that i'm a businesswoman and an inventor who learned how to do woo woo <laughs> and i'm i'm not one of those psychics who's had dead people chasing her since childhood or if i did i didn't know it and so i i basically i'm a businesswoman and, and how it all started was, like you read in my bio more than 25 years ago, about 26, 27 years ago, a girlfriend gave me a book and it was called Spirit of the Anatomy, or Anatomy of the Spirit. And it was by Carolyn Mace, who calls herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is that? I had been in the medical supply industry for a long time at that point. And I had never heard that term before, but obviously was interested in medical things and in developing products to help people heal and help people, you know, when help surgeons when they were operating on people to help people heal. So I read this book and I wanted to know more. And back then we didn't have the internet. So, and we certainly didn't have Amazon. So I went to a bookstore, the old fashioned way, yeah. and I found a book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan. And I read that, and Barbara Brennan is a former NASA physicist. So she was a rocket scientist, basically. And she took really complex quantum physics theorems and translated them into understandable language for somebody who, with a non-scientific mind, and that would be me. I don't have a scientific mind. <laughs> and I thought, gosh, this is so interesting. And she talked about energy fields and how they can be used to help heal. and things like that. And so I wanted to know more and I called her school and I asked if they had anybody in my area that perhaps was teaching a class and sure enough they did. And that woman became my mentor and I studied with her for six years and I'm still in touch with her now. I see her about once a month or talk to her 
about once a month. She lives three hours away from me. So it's a six hour round trip for me to go see her for an hour, but it's worth it. Mm. And so that's how this all developed. And, and how I'm different is number one, I learned how to do all this stuff. And number two, when you talk to psychics and people that are doing this kind of thing, most people will just talk to dead people or just talk to animals or just do medical intuitive stuff. I do it all because once you can communicate with spirit and that's what I teach in my class. I do several classes a year that are online. That's what I teach. It's like teaching someone to read. If someone can read, they can learn whatever they want. You can communicate with spirit, either a spirit that's attached to a human body or a spirit of someone who's deceased. You can get any information that you need or that you want. Yes. So it's really been fun. Wow, so fascinating. Was there, um, from the beginning when you got introduced to the book and to this work, uh, did you kind of go back and forth and did you question things? You know, was it quite hard to believe? Because um, a lot of people that I know, including myself, it was very hard for me to um, understand, you know, how something that we've believed so far is uh, quite different. So for example, you know, uh, most people believe that it's only the physical that exists. Uh, when actually there's a lot more to the picture. So was it quite hard for you to, to understand this, to kind of grasp that idea in your mind? Not so much. I was raised Roman Catholic, went to 12 years of Catholic schools. And so I was inundated with angels and saints and the Holy Spirit and, and all of that. So it, I think it was easy for me to believe that maybe something like that exists. What was something that I had to get used to? used to and trust was the information that I received mm -hmm. to, to get to learn how to validate it. And again, that's what I teach my students is we all have intuitive capabilities. It's just learning to develop them. Mm -hmm. We've all had situations, Desi, where we think of someone and we either run into them seemingly out of the blue or we get a call from them and we think, oh gosh, what a coincidence. Well, no coincidences. <laughs> it's your intuitive abilities at work. It's just learning to trust what you get. And that really comes with practice and with using, developing and then using your skills. Yeah, definitely. How long did it take you uh, uh, until you really started to trust what you were receiving? Um, how long, more or less, do you remember what was? Uh, oh gosh, several years at the beginning, but then as I got more and more into it, I was, the information I was getting was validated. And so when that begins to happen, then it's easier to trust it. For instance, I would, on a medical side of the equation, I would scan someone and I would see, okay, they've got a broken bone, say they got a broken arm or something. And it, it, all of my scans, pretty much, I would say 99.9% .9 of them are done remotely. So I can scan anybody, any animal, anywhere in the world or beyond. doesn't matter. It's just connecting to their energy. And so once I would see somebody had a broken wrist, say, and they'd go to the, the emergency room, and, and I would validate that. I'd say, okay, well, maybe they're, maybe I really am getting this. Or if I just yesterday, my son told me that one of his best friends, who's a girl, her boyfriend broke up with her and she thought she was going to marry this guy. And six months ago, I said, yeah, you're not going to marry this guy. This guy's temporary. He's, <laughs> you know, he's a, he, he's not, the, he's not the one you're going to be with long-term. And she looked at me like I was nuts. I happened to 
to be on a, you know, on a call where I could see her. And sure enough, yesterday, my son told me that he had been consoling her because sure enough, this guy had left her. And I said, yeah, well, you know, told y'all. But <laughs> things like that happen and then it validates it. So you, so you get information that validates the information that's coming in from spirit. Mm. that's a long answer to a qu short question did i answer yeah. your question yes yes you did okay. totally yeah no that, that was really interesting it's uh, really interesting to find out how how it works and um when you get those insights are they very sudden is it like a flash or do you get an image you know how does it come to you in what sort of sense great question it come i'm visual i'm a visual learner so if i'm at a party and you tell me your name i may remember it now you, I'd remember because you're so fabulous and gorgeous and you're memorable. But, but you know, when you're in a crowd of people, for me, I need to see somebody's name. So I love name tags, which you don't usually see at a party. Or I love getting someone's business card because I, I can look at it. So I play this game and I try and, and see their name written out in my head to help remember it. So I'm a visual learner. So information comes to me visually when I'm doing a medical scan. It's almost as if I'm a human MRI. I can see in my mind's eye broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, things like that, cancer, cancer that's metastasized, all kinds of things like that. And at the same time, for instance, on a medical scan, when I'm scanning somebody, I'll be getting downloads into my head too. I call them divine downloads. So for instance, if I was scanning you and I said, okay, you have toxic mold exposure, I can see mold in your energy field, then I'll be getting information such downloaded into my head, such as it's in your office, it's in your home, it's in your bedroom, it's in your mom's home, it's in the home you grew up. I'll be getting things like that and then we'll reverse engineer it. We'll start exploring. We're like, we'll be like secret agent girls and we'll reverse engineer. Okay, where were you exposed to mold? How about your mom's home? How about your office? Yeah. Things like that. On um, When I scan animals, same things, I'll get a visual and then I'll get downloads. When I'm talking to a deceased person, whether it be a loved one or Einstein or Napoleon or whomever, uh, I get information that comes into my head. And spirits communicate telepathically. So it feels like it's a thought in my head but it happens instantly when I ask a question or make a statement, the information comes in within a second. Mm -hmm. If I think about it for more than a few seconds, that's my brain answering me. Mm -hmm. and, and again, spirit communicates to me anyway in phrases and words. It's not like you and I are having this conversation back and forth. Now, spirit guides, my spirit guide talks to me sometimes in a conversation telepathically but usually it'll come in in a phrase or a word and then again we investigate it okay we we make it more concise more specific because spirits are really literal to get the information we need yeah wow that's really insightful okay wow so it's first visual um it's interesting it, it was just reminding me sometimes because i'm very much trying to learn how to do that as well but i still my mind just always gets in the way but i have noticed that when i do get something it's very instantaneous it's like boom and then and then you know my mind starts working it's like oh is it this is it that but then i do notice it just comes very suddenly and you don't even have time to think about it it's kind of like boom right. and you try to analyze it and, yeah and sometimes it comes in the middle of the thought 
for instance, if you're asking a question, you'll get an answer midway through before the whole thought is even thought, or, yeah. before, or even if you say it aloud. Yeah. For instance, you may say, uh, is it going to rain tomorrow? And you're, you're getting an answer in the middle. That's a great example, though, of be really specific when you ask the question. Is, is it going to rain tomorrow, January 10th, 2020? Yeah. Instead of, is it going to rain tomorrow? Because tomorrow can be a different day in a lot of different time zones. Okay. And so what we think of in our human minds, that is, it all is applicable to us from a human standpoint. We need to broaden our perspective and realize that time doesn't exist in the spirit world. So spirits are really literal. We want to be as specific as we can in asking for guidance or if we're asking for something that we want to know. Yeah. Okay. So tip, be very specific when you ask questions from spirit. Right. <laughs> and when you get information, then ask another question that will, will validate what you're getting. If it's something that's really important, like, and I like to preface questions with, is it in my best interest too? Dot, dot, dot. Finish the question. Is it in Desi's best interest too? Is it in Susie's best interest too? Is it in Johnny's best interest too? And then finish the equation. So that way we're asking God, the universe, your spirit guides, all your deceased loved ones, your angels, the whole group. Instead of people will say to me often, can you ask my grandmother if it's a good idea for me to take this job? Well, yes, I can. But wouldn't you like to have input from everyone that's there to help you? Because maybe grandma was fabulous, but perhaps grandma wasn't a businesswoman in that lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's, yeah. let's broaden our horizons there. Yeah, totally. Oh, wow. And um, at what point did you start uh, communicating with um, spirits of um, diseased loved ones or people who have passed away? Was it uh, straight after you kind of got into the work or was, do you need, did, did you need a little bit more time to kind of learn how to do that? I talk about that actually in the first chapter of my book, Angelic Attendance, and it talks about my journey. And, and so I was into it for a little bit before that started happening. And I started seeing my, the first person I saw was my deceased grandmother. And uh, I didn't really talk with her. And then I saw my other grandmother when she died uh, a few years later. All right, I guess she died. Yeah, she died several years later. And then that really opened it up to be able to communicate with spirit. But again, we're all getting communication from spirit. We just don't know it. We don't realize it. When you have a thought, gosh, I, I, maybe I should check out this website. Or maybe I should, should listen to this show. Or maybe, that's all inspiration. It's all coming from spirit. All those thoughts about... I, I want to explore that, or I want to find that, or I want to, I want to talk to this person, or maybe I'll call, I'll call my former teacher and find out what they're doing. That's all inspiration. We just don't understand that it's all coming from, from spirit. Mm. And the key is you want to follow it when you feel good, when you feel bad, if you're depressed or angry or or anxious or something like that. You don't want to follow guidance you get then because that just keeps you on a hamster wheel. That's just trying to change the condition. That's your brain. When we get guidance is when, when we feel good. When we, I mean, you don't have to be skipping around your living room singing to feel good, but just when, you, when you're normal and your normal day, when you're just 
feeling good and you get a thought, oh gosh, I, I need to look into that book. Follow that, that's guidance, act on it. That's when the magic happens, when we act on the guidance that we get, when we feel good, that's the caveat. Totally, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, and don't allow your mind to, um, to analyze it too much, to talk you out of it, basically, so act on the intuition. That's what I found. Um, right, so I wanted to go back to the medical um, side a little bit more. And what, what are the main things, what are the main problems, illnesses that you see in people? Like, are there any that are most common? And what are the reasons, what are kind of the root reasons for them that you found from your work? Gosh, they're all across the board, the work I do. Usually people who come to me, and again, all of my appointments are done remotely, either by phone or by Skype or by Zoom or FaceTime, that kind of thing. So people who schedule private appointments with me are normally people who've had symptoms for a while and perhaps they've been to several different doctors and gotten several different diagnoses and several different treatment plans and have been told, well, I can't find anything wrong with you or, or you've got a symptom in a different area. For instance, you're with a cardiologist and you have a symptom that's in your lungs and they'll say, well, I don't know about that. You got to go to a lung specialist. So our medical industry has, has divided itself into body parts. So people will come to me a lot of the times when they have symptoms and they can't, the doctors can't figure out what's going on. So um, I see a lot of gut issues. Their gut's uh, biome is out of whack from taking medicine or mold exposure or lots of other different things. Uh, cancer patients, degenerative diseases, fibromyalgia, MS, that kind of thing. Uh, gosh, it's just all across the board. I uh, Cardiology stuff, neuro stuff, orthopedic stuff. Yeah. I can see I can see all these different body parts as if I'm looking at an x-ray or a CT scan or an MRI. Yeah. And then I when I am doing a, a medical intuitive session with somebody, Desi, three things happen. Number one, something will be identified. Immediately thereafter, there will be some type of, of energy healing that will happen. Something, it can take the place in the form of something getting added, something getting removed. I watch procedures all the time that emulate what I saw in operating rooms for all those years as I was developing products. Sometimes I see healings occur that utilize methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. So that's the second thing that happens. And I'll make several passes through somebody. So for instance, maybe maybe a gut thing shows up first and then maybe next there'll be some arthritis that shows up that we'll do a healing on and then maybe something else will show up that we'll do a healing on but things show up in order of importance with the most important being first and then the third thing that happens is i'm looking at the person's energy field membrane and that is the container that holds the energy that comprises our body and our spirit desi because our spirit is the power source for the body. And that's why when somebody dies and the body separates from the spirit, the body doesn't work anymore because it doesn't have a power source. Well, when I look at that membrane, which reminds me of really thin, stretchy plastic wrap that you put on leftovers, you know, when you put them in the fridge, yeah. uh, what happens is I see a tear or a hole and it's allowing an energy leak. Energy leaks always precede any kind of medical condition. 
So I'll go into that terror hole and I'll be shown some kind of a scene from this lifetime or a past lifetime of an emotional event. Could be something really simple like somebody called you a bad name when you were little and it hurt your feelings. And we look at that as an adult, we think, well, that was no big deal. But to a three-year-old, that's a big deal when your feelings get hurt. Or could be something really dramatic. I have a client who lives in Guernsey. And I saw this scene of her where she was, she looked like she was maybe a preteen. And there was an explosion behind her. And I said, does that mean anything to you? And she said, yes, I was the victim of an IRA bombing when I was 12. I said, okay, that's pretty dramatic. Doesn't matter what it is, Desi, doesn't matter even if the person remembers it. What matters is that we illuminate it. As soon as we illuminate it, it clears the energy block that built over time, built pressure, caused the blowout in the membrane, clears that block, it fixes the energy filled membrane, the body can work on full power. And an analogy I use for this with people, especially the first time I work with them, is imagine going to the pet store to buy a goldfish. They're going to put it in a plastic bag of water to get it home, right? So you can get it home. Yeah. So if you have a picture of that in your mind's eye, the fish represents our body. The water represents our spirit because the body's inside the spirit, not the other way around. So the fish represents our body. The water represents our spirit. The plastic bag represents our energy field membrane. Yeah. And, um, um, and if there's a pinhole in that bag and water is draining out a drop at a time, for a long time, that fish will be fine. But when enough water drains out, that fish is going to be in trouble. Mm. And that's an analogy to what happens to the human body. There's an energy like usually for years before any kind of medical condition sets in. So we clear that emotional component. The body can work on full power. It has tremendous capacity to heal. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a really good explanation. Thank you for saying that. That's um, a very good way to visualize it. So, um, <clears throat> how how would you say um, people would know before the illness comes on? How how could they tell if there is a tear in there if they're not psychic or you know intuitive in any way? Is there still a way to tell whether there's something off in their energy field and something might be leaking, as you kind of said? Wow, great question. I've never thought of that. Let me see if I can get some guidance on that. Is there a way for somebody to tell? Uh, I get two answers on that. The first one is if they feel like they're lacking and lacking energy, like they feel tired a lot, but they're fine physically and they think, well, gosh, why am I tired? It doesn't make any sense. I eat right, I exercise, I get plenty of sleep. Why am I feeling tired? That's number one. The other, the other uh, answer I get, Desi, is if you feel frenetic, like you feel jittery, sometimes that can be a clue as well. But I, I, those are the only two things I'm getting. I guess it's, uh, that would be tough. Great question. But I, could, I see it instantly when I get somebody on my radar, close my eyes, I raise my vibrational level to the level of spirit because I don't walk around scanning people because I don't think that's ethical. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, really, it's, it's not my business and I don't think it's right. I think it's an invasion of privacy. Mm. And so I close my eyes, I watch a laser beam go from my body wherever I am and it hooks into the person I'm scanning's body. And then I have a hologram of them in my mind's eye and I envision shooting energy from their feet up through the top of their head. 
and then it's like I'm looking at an x-ray or a CT scan or an MRI. And if I'm, if I'm talking to somebody who's deceased, I'll just think of them and immediately they're there. So anybody you want to talk to, doesn't matter whether you ever knew them or not, they just immediately come in, their spirit does. It's pretty, pretty fun and fascinating at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's really amazing how it's really amazing how fast it, ha it happens. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's amazing. So why um, why is it in this specific way that you um, imagine this light shooting up through someone's feet and into their crown? Is that does that do something to the body or to the energy that you? It lights them up like I'm turning on an X-ray machine. It's how I power up, power them up, kind of like beam me up, Scotty from the Star Trek <laughs> TV movies, uh, and. And that's how when I that's how I learned to raise my vibrational level. Now I don't even think about it. It happens in a nanosecond because I've been doing it for over 25 years. But when I first started, and this is how I teach my students, is you want to come from the ground up because in order to hold that super high vibration, you have to have a container, and the body acts as the container. Mm -hmm. And that super high vibration is the vibration of spirit. So if we're connecting to spirit, whether it's a spirit attached to someone who's alive, a human body, or an animal, it, or it's a spirit in non-physical, it doesn't matter. It's still the same frequency. We all have our own frequency. Like we all have our own broadcast station. Mm -hmm. And our heads are like big satellite dishes that we receive and send information, different frequencies. So I'm vibrating at a super high level. For instance, you've listened to my show. People tell me all the time that they feel really good after they listen to my show, even if they haven't paid attention to what's being said. And it's because my vibrational level is so cranked up because I'm scanning people all over the world fast. I'll try and get 10 or 12 people on in an hour. And I'll, I'll have people tell me all the time, gosh, I can be in a terrible mood. I can be depressed or upset or whatever. And I turn on your show and I feel better, even if I'm not listening to what you're saying. And what they're doing is they're matching the vibration, like a metronome, you know, will match the vibration. It's the same principle. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I noticed that while, uh, when I was listening to your show, it was very much made me feel upbeat and everything. And the information was really interesting as well. So it was very interesting to hear you, how you work with people, with different types of people. So yeah, that was really, really interesting. Oh wow, that's um, that's really really insightful. Um, so um, what else did I? I'm really interested. Let me say one more. Let me let me say one more point about that. A lot of psychics and a lot of intuitives uh, teach to to get energy from above and then have it go through you and ground. Mm -hmm. What I find is the opposite. If we're coming from the ground up, it fills the body instead of coming from the top down. Mm -hmm. It flows through the body. And we want the body to be the container. Like we talked about the energy field membrane, the bag that the goldfish is swimming in. We need a container that can hold that high vibration of energy instead of just having it flow through us. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah. That makes so it's sense. different. It's, I come at it from a different viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've actually heard that before. And I've heard that uh, if you do, if you do it the other way around, so if you get, if you imagine that there's light coming up down into your space, down to you, you tend to feel a little bit uh, ungrounded and jittery. So you're not able, like you said, you're not able to hold this, the, like the container to contain the energy. That's so right. it makes a lot of, 
sense. So, so we, for people who are listening, uh, would you say that um, a good exercise would be just to imagine having this uh, energy coming up from their feet, from the ground into their feet and, and holding that space, yeah? And out through the top of their head. It's gonna go out through the top of their head, but it's gonna fill their body. So yes, imagine a geyser of energy coming from the ground and shooting up through your body. And then that's gonna, gonna um, give you the ability to raise your vibrational level. And could it be any color or do you have to, is it specific color that you have to imagine? No, I, I'm not big on certain techniques. That's one that I like to say, but I prefer for people's natural abilities to come in, how it's going to work best for them. For instance, since I'm visual, I see things, but my mentor doesn't. She feels things. She's, she's a kinesthetic learner. She's dyslexic. So she learns by feeling. And, and other people hear and other people just know. So I'm, I am all about here when I, in my classes, when I teach people, it's the transfer of the high vibration from me to my students. Mm -hmm. And then they hold that vibration with me. I hold that with them. So they get used to it. So they're able to access it. And then I encourage them to take it in a way that works for them. So I may see white light. You may see dark blue. It doesn't matter. It's whatever works for you. There's no right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that these techniques of stand on your left foot and hold your right hand in the air and you know face east is just, that's how somebody learned how to do it. I learned however it comes in naturally makes the most sense because it would be like the equivalent of teaching a child, making a child who's right-handed right with their left hand. Why do you want to do that? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Whatever suits you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, principle. Totally. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, and I've also found um, once I learn certain techniques from like a teacher or something that I read, and then I, when I try to mold them to what suits me better, it feels more natural to me. So it feels like it's working better than um, using the standard template, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, wow. So you also do uh, healings as well, right? How, um, how, how fast do they work sometimes? Do, does the person straight away, straight away feel something because you're doing everything through energy, right? So how fast can you see this um, you know, taking place and like, um, actually having an effect on them? All across the board. It, the healing happens on the energetic level, then it, it's up to that person's spirit to integrate it into their human body. So they may notice a difference in symptoms instantly over days, weeks, months. They may need some kind of adjunct medical care like physical therapy or even surgery at times. It may, they may need to change in diet. They may, if they've got mold in their home, they may need to move or find another place to live, all of that. But certainly at the end of the day, it's the person's spirit's prerogative to best utilize the healing in a manner which facilitates what they want to experience in this lifetime. So everybody's different. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so how do you see this sort of moving forward? Because um, obviously this is a very efficient way of working. And, you know, if someone has an illness and they can, uh, they can heal the emotional wounding to it and, they can, they're, and, and therefore they're able to heal the physical illness, where do you see medicine fitting into that? Because this seems like a lot more of an efficient and a better way to do this. So 
how right. obviously you've worked in both industries. So how do you see this blending? I, I believe the work that I do complements medicine as we know it. And certainly if you have a broken bone or you're in a car accident, you need to go to the hospital. I believe that this helps facilitate healing, this work. And I believe that this work, I have a lot of, of uh, surgeons and doctors and uh, physicists and geneticists that are on an advisory board with me when I see an energetic healing and I don't understand what's going on. I'll call them and I'll say, what am I, what is this? Does this make sense to you? And they'll explain to me what they're getting. It means. And so this is, medicine is starting to pay attention to this. Reiki is being taught in nursing schools and medical schools and even veterinarian, veterinary schools. Uh, acupuncture is being taught in these different schools. So it's starting, and that's all, Reiki is, is a good place to start with uh, energy healing if somebody's interested in that. And, and it teaches about energy and things like that. The more you get into it, the more you'll be able to control the healings that you're doing and facilitate more advanced healings. But an example of calling one of these experts, five or six years ago, I was talking with a client in Sydney, Australia about her, her very severely autistic little boy. And I watched a chromosome come out of this little boy's body. Now this is all in my head. I'm watching this. It's like I got a big movie screen in my head. And, and I watched strands of DNA come out and I watched the letters in the DNA, which is the recipe that tells the cells how to behave. I watched them get reconfigured. And I thought, oh my word, what am I seeing? And then when it was reconfigured, these strands snapped back into this chromosome. They looked like the strips of paper that you'd find in a fortune cookie and have the fortune written on them. <laughs> and so I saw that a few times and then I saw it with a couple of cancer patients. And so I called my geneticist buddy, who's a world renowned geneticist. And I said, his name's Neil. I said, Neil, what am I seeing? And he said, he told me, and he said, there are five institutes in the world that are studying this right now. It's a hypothesis. Nobody's seen it. Nobody can prove it. And there's no way in hell you would know about it. And I said, well, obviously I do because I just described it to you. And so he laughed. And, and ever since then, whenever I talk to him, he always says, okay, tell me what you're seeing. You know, are people getting better? So for instance, on a cancer patient, I will normally see at least seven strands of DNA that have mutated and the recipe is corrupted. So they're making cancer cells. So I watched those strands of DNA get resequenced and the, the recipe goes back to normal and we see a result. It's pretty remarkable. Wow. But I, I see that with degenerative diseases too. We'll do a DNA healing on them. And, and now it's just routine. Okay. I mean, it happens, it happens a lot, but it happens at least a couple of times a week, wow. at least. God, that's really, really amazing. So you're literally watching their DNA heal. <laughs> I am. Well, and I think back to your question about where's this going with medicine. So this guy who's my buddy, who's a world-renowned geneticist, he knows I'm seeing this stuff. So he knows there's an energetic component. Like, because when he says there's no way you could know about it, he's right. I'm not a scientist. I don't know this stuff. That's why I'm calling him. But, but that 
I believe can lead the scientists in ways to help them develop things that can help people get well. Yeah, definitely. So do you see in the say near future or maybe distant future, uh, intuitives and uh, you know people like you who are doing this energy healing working with medical the medical field more closely to to I think it's happening now yeah and I have physicians send patients to me all the time when they can't figure out what's going on and uh, or I'll have a client who for instance if we use stem cell energy I see stem cell energy regenerate whatever body part we need i've seen it regenerate whole organs before and that's really remarkable how that works and then the person will go get a subsequent x-ray or ct scan and, and then the doctor will call me sometimes and say okay what are you doing with my patient and how does this work because they had a diseased kidney a month ago and now their kidney is perfectly normal or there's a story on my website about a child that I worked with, watched healings happen on the child. Certainly it's not me doing it, it's spirit working through me that's doing these healings. I'm the facilitator, I'm, you know, I'm cooperating and I'm participating, but it's certainly spirit working through me. Um, this child had a subsequent x-ray, a four-year-old, and the diseased kidney, this, this kid was looking at a kidney transplant, but the diseased kidney was now showing up as the kidney of a preteen person. And so they had to go back and check the earlier x-rays and they didn't match the current x-rays a month later. And so the doctor's calling me saying, all right, what is this? How does this work? <laughs> and I explained to them from a scientific standpoint that, that I see a watery gel get put in, a, in the body wherever we need, for instance, in this case, in a kidney. And I watched that gel get centrifuged. I watch it spin really fast. And then I watch a new kidney form. And, and I explain it that cells have a nucleus. You know, go back to your grade school science class. Cells have a nucleus. The nucleus is surrounded by cytoplasm. Cytoplasm is a watery gel. And when we generate the new hundreds of thousands of cells, if not more, every day that our body generates, we act as a mini centrifuge, like a mini nuclear reactor. And we spin, the energy spins, and it creates new cells. And I explain it in a scientific way to the physician, and they get it. And they say, okay, well, I kind of understand that. And so that's my explanation of something that is, I talk in analogies a lot, because it gives us a frame of reference for our human mind to try and grasp these different theories that we haven't been exposed to. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's really, really amazing. Well, wow, thank you for explaining that. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about um, communicating with um, people who have passed over and the, the transitioning. Uh, you talk about uh, your, the 12 stages of transition. Could you explain what you mean by those? Sure. We all go through what I call the 12 stages of transition as we're dying. Everybody goes through this. And it's a configuration of how we're all surrounded by angels and our deceased loved ones. And in a lot of instances, deceased pets that we've had in our lifetime. And it's a configuration where when we're dying, you know, I'm sure you've heard of people that have had near death experiences. They talk about going through the tunnel or seeing light at the end of the tunnel. That's what happens is the spirit separates from the body and goes out through the top of the head. And then 
that hangs on to the body. It looks like a bubble in a cartoon caption, Desi, where you'd see the cartoon characters' thoughts or words, what they're saying. Okay. And then, and then their deceased loved ones show up and they're surrounded by a circle of angels. And these, as I perceive them, these are big old angels. They're, they're tall, they've got big old wings, you know, they all look the same to me. Now, an angel may look different to you. An angel may look different to somebody in a different culture. I see angels, how they're depicted in European churches because I was raised Roman Catholic. So that's how I was taught angels look. You know, if I grew up in the bush in Australia, I may I might think angels look like a ball of purple energy or something. <laughs> I mean, it's all subjective on how we process information yeah. through what we're going to recognize. Yeah. So the circle of angels, as somebody's getting closer to death, as he, it opens up into a horseshoe and then eventually a straight line. Mm -hmm. And as somebody's approaching death, more and more deceased loved ones and friends are there to welcome them. I call them the welcome to heaven committee. Mm -hmm. And we all go through these 12 phases, whether it's instantly, like in the case of a, of a death that's a suicide or a homicide, or if it's stretched out over days, weeks, months. There's a gal that called into my show for two years and her father was in phase 11 of 12. 12 is you're exiting. 11 is you're ready to go. It's like you're on the runway, ready to be airborne, you know, at the airport. And uh, two years, it, he stayed in stage 11. So it's all across the board. But the thing to remember, the most important thing is, we're all in control of when we go, how we go, who's with us when we go, and where we are when we go. Oh, wow. So people find that very comforting, especially those of us who have experienced or know someone who's experienced a situation where People will say, well, I sat with grandma. We sat with grandma for three weeks and Susie got up to get a cup of coffee and she was out of the room for five minutes and grandma died while Susie was out of the room. Mm. Grandma just, grandma did that on her own. Yeah. Grandma's in charge of all of that. We're all in charge of that. So that's important to remember because people carry guilt about those kinds of things and it's completely unfounded. Yeah. Completely. Mm. Yeah, I've heard it as well before that uh, a lot of people, well, not not a lot, but some people tend to want to pass away while there's no one around them because it's just their preferred way, which I guess, yeah, it's, it's down to what they want. And it comes out of love. Normally, it's that it, I don't want to be a burden on my family or I don't think my daughter who's sitting with me really could handle being here at the last minute. So it's not, there's no malicious intent there. It's always done out of love. Mm, yeah. That My grandmother did that. That's My right. Grandmother did that. Yeah. And we were, and, and she died a half an hour after I left her hospital room wow. and she was getting better and we got the phone call and I thought, what? <laughs> so, yeah. Do you, do you often contact people from your family who have passed away? Do you tend to do that? I don't now because they've been gone for a while. I did at the beginning, but my parent, my grandmothers and my parents, <clears throat> excuse me, have been gone for gosh, going on 20 years. And I lost my young, younger sister 10 years ago. So it's been a long enough period of time. If I need something, I will call them in. And my brother was having a health situation going on. And while I was scanning him, my parents' spirits were there. And they were giving me information to tell him. 
like one piece of information was for him to stop drinking diet soda. <laughs> and I said to them, well, I don't think he drinks a lot of diet soda. And they said, oh yes, he does. So I called him and I said, do you drink a lot of diet soda? And he said, no, about three cans a day. And I said, well, your parents want you to stop. <laughs> he said, oh really? And I said, yeah. And so now we have this running joke. He hasn't stopped, but they've told me several times to tell him to stop, that it's not good for him because of the artificial sweeteners. So that's an example of when they come in. Uh, I will see them sometimes when I'm with my mentor and she's doing a healing on me. You know, I do healings on people all over the world and she's the only one that does one on me. And so I'll, sometimes they'll be there and they'll help participate in the healing. I just see loved ones and friends. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. Yeah. Would you, um, would you recommend it for people to try to you know, have that sort of relationship with their loved ones who've passed away, even if they're not psychic, but you know, I guess you can still sort of sense the energy more or less when they're around you. Do you think it's beneficial for people to do that? Absolutely. It's comforting. It's their, they have access to infinite intelligence. So utilize them. Most people will talk to their deceased loved one in their head and, uh, they think, well, nothing results from that. But again, they're getting that information coming in within a second and they're just disregarding it. So pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Little children communicate with spirit most of the time. Mm -hmm. And until they're about the age of six or seven, we'll hear about children having an imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. And we'll think, oh, Johnny has a very vivid imagination and he's very creative. He has this imaginary friend. Well, Johnny really does have an imaginary friend, even if his parents can't see that imaginary friend. And little children, there are many, many stories about little children who know things from past lives. There's no way they could know because they don't even read yet. Or they know, and, and the things that they come up with can be corroborated online with historical documents. Or they say, a deceased loved one is visiting them in their bedroom at night and it's somebody's name of maybe a deceased grandfather and they know this information about this deceased grandfather's life that there's no way they could know again because they're too little and they haven't heard any of that and and uh, so I wrote a book actually it came out right before Christmas it's called Angel Messages for Kids and it's a it's something that came from a lot of mothers with small children saying please write something that can and I can use to help talk to my kids about this when mm. yeah oh a loved one dies they see grandma's body at the funeral home and we're telling them grandma's in heaven well how does a four-year-old make sense of that that doesn't make sense to a small child and so um it's a picture book it's darling it has beautiful illustrations and really cute yeah wow that's really amazing um i was actually when i read about it i was thinking of buying that for my nephews <laughs> so um yeah. yeah they can just be aware of everything because uh i've also um heard that you know kids tend to be very sensitive to energies and they can see things so um so what, what um what recommendation would you give to any parents that might be listening out there um and the kids might be seeing something you know do you think they should be just very open to it and allow them yeah. to Absolutely. Talk with them about it. There's a gal who took my class who has two little kids, I think a five-year-old and a seven-year-old, and if they're misbehaving or something's happening, she'll send them to their room. She taught them how to talk to spirit after 
taking my class and she taught her husband as well. And so she'll say, well, go talk to your angels. And then after five minutes or something, she'll have them come back and she'll say, well, what did your angels have to say? And she said, they have this totally lucid conversation that makes complete sense. And they, it's, it's a pleasant experience. So absolutely. I think if we encourage our children that they don't shut off those capabilities, like most of us do when we're told, oh honey, it's just your imagination. That's really not happening. We tend to discount them. That's how we learn to discount them. Whereas if we're told, gosh, well, what did, she, what did that spirit say? Or what did your angels say? Or, or what did you see? And just have a normal conversation with them. And that it fosters that. Another gal who took my class, her three-year-old told her that her deceased great-grandmother you know, visited her at night. She knew her name. She knew where she was born. She knew all this information. And she said, they called her granny too. She even knew that they called her granny. And she said, granny's, granny's gonna um, be your next child. And she's gonna be a girl. And, and my student found out she was pregnant three weeks later. Wow. <laughs> so the three-year-old was telling her this. And she said, there's no way this child could know this stuff. So they're very intuitive. I have another, another friend whose grandson told his mom, Mommy, you're my favorite mommy of all my mommies. <laughs> and, or, no, you're my favorite mommy. And she said, well, honey, I'm your only mommy. He said, no, of all of my mommies. And she said, well, I'm your only mommy. He said, no, mommy, here's how it works. Babies are born to a mommy and daddy, and then they grow up and they die. And then they're born to another mommy and daddy. And then they grow up and die. And you're my favorite of all my mommies. This kid's four. <laughs> wow. Where is it coming from? Yeah. Wow. So we should know. Yeah, so we should definitely be taking notes from the kids then. They know a lot more than we do. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow, that's so interesting. Um, how do you see this? I wanted to kind of ask you about, you know, the bigger picture and where everything, this, where everything is going right now because it seems like there's a lot of shifting of energies of, you know, just things happening uh, and people becoming... Um, it seems like people are becoming a lot more aware, you know, of the spiritual field and, you know, I guess we're doing yoga, meditations, and that's just kind of the tip of it. But a lot more people seem to be getting into now, you know, learning about life after death and things like that. Where do you see this going? Do you see a lot more people becoming open to this now and it becoming the normality to be able to communicate with your loved one who's passed away or something like that? I do. I think that we've had this ability since the beginning of time. And as we've become more well-educated, we've been proof, we've become more proof oriented. And so we've shut down our intuitive abilities or disregarded them. So I believe that those of us that are involved in this niche, if you want to call it in this area, it feels natural because it is natural. And so we're interested in it and we're being led to it. And as more and more scientific research validates what we get from an intuitive standpoint, it's going to become more well accepted. Mm -hmm. and, and I think a lot of it has been tamped down by cultures and religions. And it's been an effort to control the masses. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to control the narrative, how you know, you can't get to spirit yourself. You've got to come through me as a clergy person, or you've got to come through the church somehow, or you've got to come through by doing this kind of prayer this many times a day in this manner. It's all been a way to control the masses over the center.
centuries and the millennia. So I believe it's all it's all opening up, and and we as a as humans keep expanding. So children that come in that are born now come in and they immediately know a lot of this stuff. And it's because they're vibrating at a higher level than where we are. You're younger than I am. So you, when you were born, you're vibrating at a higher level than I was when I was born. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing is scientific research is starting to validate a lot of this information. I'm on the board of a, of a group at the University of Arizona here in the U.S. And they have done research and they've come up with devices that can communicate with spirit and they have a 99.9% .9 accuracy rate, wow. which to a scientist is unheard of. Mm. And so there's a scientist there named Gary Schwartz. He's a PhD and he's getting ready to publish articles. And he also is getting ready to um, put this device uh, to show it to the world. And, and it's, it, I laugh, I say it's like a modern day Ouija board. But <laughs> But it, it validates that life does exist after bodily death. And, uh, and so I think as more and more scientists do that, it's gonna satisfy those of us in the past 150 years or so, maybe even 200 years, who wanna see scientific proof of something. There's an awful lot of, of humanity now that doesn't believe something unless there's some kind of scientific proof. Yeah. And, um, that's starting to materialize yeah wow that's definitely i i definitely see that trend as well coming through and it'll be really interesting to see how it develops and, and what happens next yeah so that's really um really amazing wow thank you so much julie is there anything um else you'd like to share anything important with um people who are listening and you know maybe just like a tip for practical something practical that we can practice every day so we can be more in tune with ourselves and well, I think talk to your deceased loved ones and talk to your talk to anybody you want. If you if you're working on a some kind of a scientific problem and <coughs> you want to talk to Einstein or Tesla or whomever, just call them in. Just say, "Hey, Einstein," and then ask the question in your head, and the answer is going to come within a second. You know, remember if you're thinking about it for more than a couple of seconds, that's your brain answering you. So. I think we have access to infinite intelligence on anything and everything. I don't have a scientific background. I don't have an engineering background, but I have many patents and trademarks for devices I've invented. How's that work? I got an idea. I followed the idea. I followed my guidance. Long before I started this woo-woo stuff, I was getting it. I didn't know what I was doing, but that's what all of us do. And if we follow the guidance we get, then then we have access to whatever information we want to have. It's pretty amazing yeah. and easy and cheap and free and works with you wherever you are. You don't need any special instruments to do it. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's, that's great advice. I definitely follow that. Um, yeah, definitely. And people can uh, find you on your website if they want to contact you, ask Julie askjulieryan.com julieryan.com that's it and you do every thursday you also do a live uh stream where you where people can call in and ask questions and things like that that's right yeah okay brilliant so if anyone had any questions about a disease loved one or a problem they have then definitely they can contact you with that and you also do private sessions and classes as well in um in arizona 
no and and they're done online oh they're so done from okay. all over the world and we do it on a zoom video platform so we're in a virtual conference room and it's so much fun it's four saturdays in a row two hours each saturday and uh it's really remarkable everybody learns how to do what i do and and whether you want to be a medical professional whether whether you want to talk to dead people whether you want to scan animals or whether you just want to live a more joyful life it has application in everything that we do and everybody that's taken the class has said their life has been enhanced in just innumerable ways that way far beyond their best comprehension of what they expected so plus it's a blast we have so much fun yeah wow that's amazing it sounds really interesting i definitely I think I'm, I'm definitely going to look into that myself, <laughs> progress more of my skills and yeah, get them up to scratch. But yes, wow, Julie, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure to have you. Um, yeah, just fascinating, fascinating topic. And uh, I can talk to you about this all day, but I know you have to go. <laughs> so yeah, um, any last words before we close? Nope, just find me at AskJulieRyan.com. Looking forward to uh, chatting with you and and getting to know you, whoever's listening. Okay, brilliant. Well, that's all for now. Thank you guys so much for joining us and until next time.